We thank you for waking us up this morning. We thank you for the privilege, Lord God, of coming into your house and lifting up holy hands before you, God. God, I ask you, Father God, that you would manifest, that your omnipresence that is everywhere, that you would take from it and concentrate it into this place today and let your glory be revealed and minister, Lord God, not just through word, but through wind. That you, Lord God, hallelujah, will manifest your glory in this place. And that somebody will leave this place, hallelujah. Not just changed, not just transformed, but healed by the power of the spoken word. And we give you glory for it in advance, in Jesus' name. And the church that believes says, amen and amen. Woo, God. Hallelujah. If I had to give this particular sermon a title, I was going to call it, hallelujah, Shifting Gears. Shifting Gears for Acceleration. Shifting Gears for Acceleration. How many of you in this place drive a car that's not automatic? Drive a car that's standard? Not too many of you, praise the Lord. How many of you know how to drive a car? Okay, that is standard. Now, if you're driving a car that is standard, you understand, hallelujah, that you will be on first gear and that car will accelerate. That car will accelerate to a certain place, hallelujah, and then it will plateau. And it will not continue, hallelujah, to pick up speed until you do something. And you are the one that is required or responsible for shifting. And as long as you shift at the right time, that car will continue to accelerate. And so since we've been talking about acceleration, I just want to be clear, hallelujah, that when we talk about this kind of word about what God is going to do, we need to make some shifts. We need to make some shifts in the way we think. Amen, somebody. And uh, we need to make some shifts even in our own heart. Are you hearing me in this place? So these are some of the things that I want to focus on, hallelujah. When I think about a shift in the Bible, I'm reminded of several stories in the Bible. One in particular, hallelujah, is when the, when the disciples are in a boat and they're fishing, and the Bible says they're toiling all night. You guys are familiar with that story? They're toiling all night, and they haven't caught anything, amen? It's not that they're not working. They're working very hard, but they're working very hard at doing something that's no longer working, are you hearing what I'm saying? And nobody's asking the question. Has anybody noticed that what we're doing is not working? But yet they're doing it because that's the way they've always done it. And that's the way they want to continue to do it. Amen. All of a sudden, Jesus comes on the shore to make a long story short. And, and, and he's disguised. Jesus in disguise. Amen. Hallelujah. This is why you can't put him in the box. You can't put Jesus in the box because anytime you try to put Jesus in the box, he will shock you. He will shock you. If you say he's like this, he'll come like that. If you say he heals like this, he'll heal like that. God, help me in here. And every time you try to put him in a box, he will shock you. So here comes Jesus in disguise in a different form. And if you're just used to seeing him one way, what will you do when he comes a different way? And so he comes a different way, and he tells them, hey, have you caught anything? He knows they've been toiling all night. Have you caught anything? And they said, we have not caught nothing. And here's the word of the Lord for them. Cast your nets on the other side. And I'm thinking to myself, you mean they were fishing all night and they only cast their nets on one side? And these are professional fishermen, so I just figured I'd give them the benefit of the doubt. They know what they're doing and that's how they do it. Amen? And let me tell you something. It's really hard to try to tell somebody who thinks they know what they're doing what to do. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? 
I know what I'm doing. Amen. This is the way I've always done it. So he said, cast your nets on the other side. You know what he's telling him to do? Shift. He's not even asking him to do something really different. He's just saying, from one side to the other, shift. One shift was the difference, hallelujah, between them having nothing and having a boatload of fish. One shift made all the difference. Somebody shout shift. I'm reminded of a man named Jacob, hallelujah, whose name meant trickster. Uh, he was sneaky, amen? So were many of us before we got saved. I need some real people in here. Some of us still, some of us still, God's working on us. Amen, hallelujah. This man finds himself, hallelujah, wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And the Bible says he wrestled all night. They toiled all night. This man wrestled all night night hallelujah watch this when the men in the boat hallelujah shifted by daybreak they had a harvest they couldn't hold that fast one shift are you hearing me in here and watch this man is wrestling with God all night and in one moment there was a shift and God changed his name and after he changed his name hallelujah everything changed he even walked different, if you know what I mean. After that experience, somebody shout shift. Hallelujah. How many of you remember when Jacob is getting ready to bless Joseph's sons? I need some people who know Bible. Uh, Jacob's getting ready to bless Joseph's sons. And Joseph brings his sons to, to Jacob. Hallelujah. And Jacob's getting ready to bless them. Hallelujah. But Jacob, watch this. If you know, if you know uh, how the double portion works, it's the older son, the one that was born first, that gets the double portion. So the right hand, which is the hand of blessing, goes on the older son. And the left hand goes on the younger son. But when Jacob goes to pray for them, hallelujah, watch this. The older one is here. The younger one is here, but when Jacob prays, he switches. In other words, he shifts. And Joseph comes and says, whoa, whoa, no. I don't know if he was thinking that his dad was losing it, if Jacob was losing it. But he says, no, 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 you put your hand on this one, and you put that hand on that one. And he fixed his hands, and then Jacob goes to pray again and <laughs> switches again. One shift, and the last becomes first. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody shout shift. Ah, God have mercy in here. Hallelujah. Uh, before you can walk in the supernatural, there needs to be in you a desire to walk in the supernatural. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Another story that you're very familiar with, I'm trying to use some that you're familiar with, is when the disciples are in a boat and Jesus comes to them walking on water. Amen? I love that because it, it just lets me know that there isn't anything that could stop him from coming to me. Uh, so, so sometimes, I don't know about you, uh, but I need him coming to me, walking on water, supernaturally. But anyway, what I'm trying to get at is simply this. Jesus comes to them walking on water. They think it's a ghost because they can't believe that Jesus could be walking on water. Amen. And Jesus has to alleviate them by telling them, take courage. It is I. Have no fear. It is I. And then Peter says, Peter says, if it is you, let me come out to you on the water. And then Jesus said, come. And Peter came. 
But what I want you to notice is that the invitation to come does not come until the desire to step out is expressed. God, help me in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The invitation come does not come until Peter first expresses his desire to step out. And so if you want to walk in the supernatural, there has to first be a desire in you to move in the supernatural. Did I come to talk to the right people in here today? Hallelujah, Jesus. It's amazing to me that only one expressed it. The other 11 were just playing it safe on the boat. Amen. Uh, I don't like that equation very much because if only one out of 12 churches are willing to step out, that's not a good number. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I came to talk to somebody in this church who has a renewed mind and a a recalibrated heart. Amen. For decades now, let me give you a little history. For decades now, many or, or maybe centuries even, the church has gathered weekly around a sermon, has gathered weekly around a sermon, and for noble reasons, because we understand that the Word of God is the highest authority, amen? And we understand that our lives are supposed to be anchored upon the truth, but here's what we better understand is that when we study the scriptures, those scriptures are supposed to launch us into an encounter with the Son, I said those scriptures are supposed to launch us into an encounter with the Son. It is in that moment of connection where your life is actually changed. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Without encountering the one to whom the scriptures point to, we are a people to be pitied. Let me show you something in the scriptures. Hallelujah. Show me John 5 and 39. John 5 and 39. John 5 and 39. Hallelujah, Jesus. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. Search the scriptures. See, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, and he says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think... You have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Next verse. And ye will not come to me that ye may have life. Oh, God. In other words, it's not enough, watch this, to try to learn me. You have to experience me. You know, one of the things that I love about the first century church, hallelujah, is that they didn't come or gather just to learn him. They gathered to experience him. They didn't treat God like some science project where they had to dissect him or dissect all his parts uh, in an attempt to learn him so they could say that they know something about him. They didn't come just to learn. They came to experience because it's through an encounter or experience that you really come to know him. Are you with me so far in this place? Hallelujah. So my first point on tonight is very simple and practical, but it'll minister to you. And it's simply this. God does not just want to be learned. He wants to be encountered. I said God does not just want to be learned. He wants to be encountered. Oftentimes we are asking God for revival. Come on, somebody. We want revival. We want healing. We want to see deliverance and we want to see miracles. 
But it is difficult. I need you to, I need you to listen now. I, it is difficult to experience the same fruit that that first century church had, watch this, when we value a book they didn't have above a Holy Spirit they did have. That's deep. Hallelujah. And I, I got to add to that before the scholars start, before their mind starts going. But just stay with me for a moment. Hallelujah. I said, listen, listen carefully. Hallelujah. It's hard to experience the same fruit that that first century church experienced. Hallelujah. Because we value a book they didn't have above a Holy Spirit they did have. And I didn't make that statement with the intention of us uh, devaluing the book or looking at the book as less valuable. That's not what I'm trying to say. We know that it is the highest authority. The, the word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall remain forever. But I made the statement so that you understand that without the Holy Spirit, the Bible is a closed book. I said without the Holy Spirit, the Bible is a closed book. Those people didn't have the book because it was not written yet, but they did have the Holy Ghost. And then later, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit that they had inspired them to write, to read, to write that book. So they wrote it through the power of the Holy Ghost. And you can only read it and understand it through the power of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the illuminator. He's the one who illuminates you to understand the book. He's the one that shines the light on the text. He's the one that pulls the curtain on the text. Hallelujah. He is the only one that can take you into deeper places in God. Because he is the one that searches the deep things of God. The Bible says that his responsibility is to lead you into all truth. And to show you things to come. Oh, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. But so we treasure the word of God and rightfully so. And we should. But I don't believe that we treasure the Holy Spirit. Who illuminated them to write the book. The way he ought to be treasured. If you're in this place, shout glory. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Are you blessed in here? In other words, watch this, the Bible was written in such a way, watch this, where your revelation increases through your relationship with him. Your, relationship in, your, your revelation increases through relationship. Not, not, not so much how much time you spend in the word, but how much time you spend with the one, hallelujah, who wrote the word. Hmm. You can come to me and tell me you, were, you, wrote, you read 35 chapters today. Hallelujah. And, and, and not be able to expound on any of it. And I'll take three verses in the Bible and expound on them for three hours. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not because of me, but because of he who lives in me. Amen. Hallelujah. Stay with me. Stay with me. Hallelujah. Uh, he, made, he wrote the word in a way where your ongoing meeting with him will cause you to continually receive the mysteries of him. Uh, are you blessed in here, church? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, God have mercy in here. You know, the difference, the difference today is simply this, that the church camps around the sermon. Israel camped around his presence. 
I said, we today camp around a sermon. They camped around his presence. And one of the things that I'm trying to get at, again, I'm not trying to devalue the word of God at all. What I'm trying to say, hallelujah, is that the treasure, the treasure that God left us does not comprise itself of just his promise, but his promise and his presence. I said his promise and his, I hope you're ready for me today. I said his promise and his presence. Hallelujah. I think part of the problem in the church today is that we have settled for good theology. But good theology doesn't equate to God's power. You don't hear what I'm saying. I said good theology by itself does not equate to God's power. You don't only need good theology, you need God's power. When those men preached the word of God, the Bible says signs and wonders followed hallelujah they had theology and they had power are you hearing what i'm saying in here Woo. promise and power both of them together one is not good without the other that's why that word and is a conjunction uh, word are you hearing what i'm saying it basically lets you know that the other one is incomplete without the other that it's not really complete. It's just like when God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What that means, hallelujah, is that one is not supposed to operate absent of the other. That they were meant, hallelujah, to feed off each other, to work off of each other. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God, I wish I had somebody in here who can catch what I'm talking about tonight. Are you hearing me, church? My God, it's like peanut butter. There we go. There we go. You're with me now. Hallelujah. It's like macaroni. All right. I knew you I were with me. Hallelujah. Y'all just, just engaged. That's what it is. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. My God. Let me submit to you that it's not enough to encamp around the presence of God in a corporate setting. You have to encamp around God. In your own personal life oh God have mercy in here I've learned that he is the reference point to everything I do and everything I say I said he is the reference point to everything that I do and everything that I say I think that for many of us we, we, we declare that God's presence is central in our life but we do it in theory and it's not enough hallelujah to say it in theory you have to know it in practice I said, you have to know it in practice. Are you blessed in here, church? Most of you in here can testify that instinctively it was the presence of God that came and changed your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, most of you can testify about that experience. Hallelujah. One of the things that I'm trying to get at here, hallelujah, I want to challenge the church and tell the church that you must be full of the Spirit. You must be full of the spirit can i submit to you hallelujah that fullness is measured in overflow i said fullness is measured in overflow you know something is full when it starts to run over god help me in here i said fullness is measured in overflow uh, when david said my cup is running over you know what he's saying i'm full that's what he's saying, hallelujah. When Jesus feeds 5,000 men, not including women and children, one gospel says. So if you add the women and you add the children, we're talking about at least fifteen to 20,000 
people with, watch this, five loaves and two fish. And the Bible allows us to know that all of them were fed and full. But what's the proof? The proof is in the overflow. The fact that when they were done, there were 12 baskets Let's, oh God, left over, hallelujah. The overflow lets you know, hallelujah, that they were full. God, have mercy in here, because you know how it is. If you ain't full, you're going to finish everything on that plate. But if you're done eating and there's still stuff there, you're full. And the overflow is the proof. Ah, God, have mercy. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Mm. Show me Ezekiel. 37 and verse 1. Ezekiel 37 and 1. You guys doing all right? Hallelujah. Ezekiel 37 and 1. Listen to what this text says. This is the text of the Valley of Dry Bones. Just in case you don't know, I can't read the whole story. Hallelujah. But watch this. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out. How? In the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. The hand of the Lord, watch this now, was upon me. When that hand of God came upon me, it carried me. It car uh, I, I looked up the word carried there in the Hebrew, and it is, watch this, to shoot forth. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and when his hand came on me, he shot me forth. In, in other words, he picked me up off the ground and moved me. It would have took me a long time to get there on foot. But he carried me and got me there in a moment. Somebody shout acceleration. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Hallelujah. In other words, I really believe that God is anxious, hallelujah, uh, to move his church supernaturally. To take the church, hallelujah, from the mundane, from the routine. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Uh, from the predictable uh, and move the church, not necessarily little by little. But he wants to pick up the church, hallelujah, and move you years down the road. Do you believe it in here? Oh, I believe God is saying to this particular church right here that he's about to carry us. That he's about to carry us, hallelujah, years down the road in a moment. And that only can happen when, is when the hand of God comes upon you to shoot you forth. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Does anybody believe that God wants to do it? Does anybody in here believe that God wants to propel his church? Hallelujah. That God wants to accelerate his church. Hallelujah. Hmm. It would have taken Ezekiel a long time to walk the distance God carried him. But God shot him forth. Amen. That's chapter 37. And he brought them to a valley, hallelujah, of dry bones. And I can't get into the whole thing, hallelujah, but I will submit to you that uh, when, he, when he was told to speak to the dry bones, hallelujah, he was also told to call the wind, amen? And it was a mixture of not just word, but word and wind. I said word and wind. And if you're going to see the supernatural moving in your life and in your church, it's going to be a mixture of word and wind. Mm. Word and wind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you read that text very carefully, you're going to find that it was the word that caused the bones to come together. And it was the word, hallelujah, that caused the flesh and the tendons to come together, hallelujah. But then it just sat there until the wind came. And when the wind came, they got up. And the Bible says it was an exceeding army, a harvest in a moment through word 
and wind. God have mercy. Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah. If you ever go down to, to chapter 47, hallelujah, he's being moved by the Spirit again. And this time, hallelujah, the Bible says that it begins in the house of the Lord and that a river breaks out. A river breaks out in the house of the Lord and it starts, hallelujah, at the altar. And then it leaves the house, hallelujah, this is Ezekiel 47, leaves the house and starts moving at a very rapid rate. Ezekiel is taken from the house to the river, hallelujah, and the man who's moving him, of course, it's, the God, it's God, hallelujah, uh, is measuring the water, and the water is increasing rapidly. And when you read the text, it says first it was at his ankles, then it was at his knees, then it was at his loins, and then it was water to swim in, hallelujah. But it's allowing you to know that not only was it moving fast, it was increasing. It was increasing, and it was happening fast. It was increasing, and it was happening fast, Amos 9.13, which is our main text, hallelujah, talks about something that God wants to do that is going to be big and fast. Remember, he said the grain and the grapes are going to come faster than they can be harvested. Mm. And I believe, the Bible says there's a time coming, and I believe that the church is on the brink of that time. God, have mercy in here, hallelujah. Are you blessed? That river, hallelujah, the Bible says, that's moving fast and is increasing is going to bring life to everything that comes in contact with it. And anything, hallelujah, that touches it is going to get healed. And then it goes to say that there are going to be many fin fishes coming from that river. Many fishes coming from that river. I can't show you all that because those are full chapters. You got to read 37 and 47. That's your homework assignment, HPC. Amen. So that you can check what pastor's saying. Are you blessed in here so far? Hallelujah. Mm. Show me 1 Kings 18 and 43. 1 Kings 18 and 43. I can't show you all of them, but I can show you some of them. Amen. Glory to God. 1 Kings 18 and 43. Listen to what it says. And said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Ooh, God have mercy in here. The man of God said, I hear something in my spirit. I don't see it in the natural. I heard it in my spirit. Watch this. I don't live by what I see. I live by what I hear. It doesn't matter if I don't see it, I heard it. Where? In my spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch this. The servant said, I don't see it. There are going to be times where you share with people, hallelujah, something that God has put in your heart or something that God showed you. I just want to help you in here. Do not be surprised when other people do not see what you heard. God, have mercy in here. I don't see it. Can I put it to you another way in here? Hallelujah. Watch this. Don't let facts hinder faith. Amen. I said don't let facts hinder faith. Oh, God, have mercy in here. The facts are I don't see nothing. But my faith said I heard it. Faith don't come by seeing. Faith comes by hearing. Hallelujah. So don't let facts hinder faith. If you have to stand there by yourself in the absence of evidence, stand there, hallelujah, and say, thus saith the Lord. God, have mercy in here. 
Are you blessed in here, church? Mm, God, I better stop because I'll get happy right there. Don't let facts hinder faith. Hallelujah. Oh, God. I don't see it. Don't let, hallelujah, people's I don't see it discourage, hallelujah, what God told you. I know what he told me. I know what he showed me. Yeah, but I don't see it. That's all right. Hallelujah. Check again. Check again. Hallelujah. Maybe the last time you checked, hallelujah, <laughs> you didn't have your glasses on. Check again. Look again. Look until you see what I heard. Because I have more faith in what I heard than I do what I see. God, have mercy in here. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? Woo, God, help me in here. And if you're doubting, trade it. Oh, I just messed you up. I said, and if you're doubting, trade it. Mm, can I hit you with something else in here? Mm. The reason I'm telling you that if you're doubting, trade it is because God will transform what you transfer. I said, God will transform what you transfer. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Sometimes all you have to do, and it's hard for some of us to do, is to cast all our cares upon him. That's what I mean by transfer. It's when you take it off you and you give it to him. Hallelujah. And God will always transform anything you transfer. If you transfer it to him, he'll transform it. God, help me in him. If you transfer, watch this, your time to him, hallelujah, if you transfer your chronos, he'll give you a kairos. In other words, if you give him your time, he'll give, he'll give you a God moment. He'll give you a destiny moment. He'll give you heaven's agenda, hallelujah, in a moment, hallelujah. If you transfer your talent towards him, hallelujah, he, watch this, he'll cause your talent, hallelujah, to bring you before great men and make room for you. If you transfer your treasure to him, he'll multiply it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. If you transfer your trouble, he can fix it. Are you hearing me? If you transfer that spirit of heaviness, he'll give you the garment of praise. If you transfer that mourning, he'll change it into dancing. If you transfer that sickness, you walk out of here in health. Do I got a church in here? God will transform what you transfer. Hallelujah. Oh, God, take me back to that text. I, I meant to read the next verse. First, yeah, show me, the, show, me, show me the next verse. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not one translation says hurry and tell hurry and tell hurry and tell Ahab hurry and tell I don't know about you but I feel an urgency hallelujah for the church to hurry to hurry to hurry I feel like God is saying to us this year that this is not the year of procrastination that this is not the year to be thinking about it. That this is not the year for you to be talking about maybe this is the year. The devil is a liar. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I hear God saying that this is the year of acceleration. And because it is a year of acceleration, God is saying to the church, hurry, 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 hurry. Hurry, 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 hurry. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those things that you have on your heart, those things that you have on your mind, hurry, hurry. Take steps. Hallelujah. In making those things come into fruition. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? 
I'm challenging you. I feel like God is challenging somebody in this place. I feel like God is saying, if you hurry, it will be there. If you hurry, it will be there. What will be there? Whatever you need. If you hurry, it will be there. If you hurry, it will be there. If you hurry, if you hurry. Ah, God, he told the prophet, if you hurry and get to the brook, or if you hurry, hallelujah, I already spoke to the birds and the birds are on their way. If you don't hurry, you're going to miss it. If you hurry, it will be there. Oh, God, can you put some substance on that? Yes, I can. As Abraham hurried, hallelujah, to take Isaac onto the mountain to sacrifice him, he found the ram caught in the thicket. As Peter hurried, hallelujah, under the instruction of Jesus to go into the sea and fish, he caught a fish that had money in it. As he hurried, oh, can I help you in here? It, it was following God's instruction that caused him to get that fish. Understand, he's not the only one fishing. You see, because we, 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 uh, we like to downplay the miracles in the Bible. And assume that when Peter got there, that he was the only one that was fishing. Can I help you in here? I believe there was a ton of people fishing. But because Peter moved hastily at the instruction of the Lord, when he put his line in the water, hallelujah, the fish that had the money in it found his line. <laughs> Not only does God know which fish have the money in it, God knows which is your line. And God will cause that fish to bypass all the other lines just to get to yours because you hurried up. God, help me in here. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. When Egypt experienced a famine, Joseph was already there. Watch this. And so I hear God saying, I'm positioning you. I'm positioning you for the saving of many. That's a word for the church. I'm positioning you for the saving of many. Do you believe it in here? God have mercy. Hallelujah. Watch this. That text, hallelujah, in 1 Kings 18 says that. When he looked the seventh time, there was just a little, a little cloud, a little cloud the size of a man's hand. But then the next verse says, but soon, somebody shout, soon. <laughs> soon the whole sky was black with clouds. To say that they were black is to say that they were full. Don't make me remind you of our New Year's message. I believe that we are on the tipping point. That is exactly where we are. There are clouds over us that are full. They're about to release the rain. If you are in here and you believe that, shout glory. glory. Show me 1 Kings 18 and 46. I got to move. Hallelujah. 18 and 46. Listen to what it says. And the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. Now here we go again. Hallelujah. And he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He ran before Ahab. See, what you need to catch about that text right there is that Ahab had already took off before him in a chariot, in a chariot with horses and took off before him. And the Bible says that when the hand of the Lord came upon this man, he outran. Somebody shout acceleration. Could you imagine? I only could imagine it. I could only imagine it. 
But in other words, watch this, he shot him forth. And so what you need to see is a picture of the church and a picture of that chariot because that chariot represents the technology of that day. And all of a sudden, here is the church running at a faster pace than the world is. Y'all don't believe it. You don't believe it. You don't believe it. You don't believe it. Hallelujah. But that's what I see in this text. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? No, pastor, that can't be. The church can't surpass the world's technology. Can I help you in here? The world today, with all its technology, still has no answer for cancer. I said the, the, the world today, with all its technology, don't have an answer, hallelujah, for fibromyalgia. The church, listen, the world does not have, with all its technology today, a real answer for lupus. You, you don't hear what I'm saying. It does not, hallelujah. But the church that accelerates in faith knows a little something about what to do with cancer. God, help me in here, hallelujah. Do you hear this preacher in here? I don't know if you believe it. Hallelujah. Listen, just in case, because I like to study. You know how long he ran? 25 miles. Tw I did the math. 25 miles. The chariot left first. He ran 25 miles, beat the chariot into the city or the gates of Jezreel. This guy must have been flying. Do you believe God can do that with the church, though? Do you believe that God can do that with the church? Oh, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. I believe that many have stopped short of, of a divine encounter because they were satisfied with good theology only. And what you need to understand is that encounters with God are essential. I said encounters with God are essential. But they also require risk. Amen? Risks are required for God to take you where you need to go. Are you blessed, church? Can I give you another point? Number two is simply this. Cultivating an awareness, watch this, of God through relationship, not performance. Ooh, that's another shift. You're going to have to make, watch this. Cultivating an awareness of God through relationship and not performance. In order to be truly effective, this awareness should be learned, watch this, where there is no ministry. I know it was going to be quiet. Where there is no ministry because it needs to be developed in the context of relationship, not Performance. Stay with me, hallelujah, for a moment, hallelujah. In other words, what we learn when nobody is watching is what will qualify you to lead God's people when everybody's watching. I said what you learn and you practice when nobody's watching is what will qualify you to lead God's people when everybody is watching. It is quiet in here. You will never perform in public what you are not practicing in private. Maybe that one will help you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're blessed, shout glory. We have a lot of people, hallelujah, who are crying out to God for gifts, for breakthroughs, 
for fruitfulness, hallelujah, uh, in their ministry and in their evangelical campaigns, but they have very little zeal for the Holy Spirit apart from ministry. I said very little zeal for the Holy Ghost apart from ministry. It is Wednesday, right? Can we, can we teach a little bit, hallelujah, on tonight? He is to be encountered. I guess that's what I've been trying to say. He is to be experienced, followed, embraced, affectionately, known, hallelujah, to show passion for God in ministry only is professional intimacy. I said it's professional intimacy. And the world has a name for those, hallelujah, who are intimate as a profession. It's going to hit somebody in the parking lot. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Professional intimacy. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? Let me see if I can help you understand it some more. Hallelujah. I said that this is something that you learn in the context of relationship. And it oftentimes happens apart from Ministry. I would even dare say before you get into ministry. Amen, somebody. If, if I'm, I'm, For the sake of time, I'm just going to read it, hallelujah. But Matthew 3 and 17, you can write it down. Matthew 3, 17 is when Jesus gets baptized. You remember that story? Jesus gets baptized. He comes out of the water and the heaven, the Bible says the heavens open and the spirit of God c- comes upon him in the form of a dove and lands on him. And the Bible says that it remains on him. That's going to be key in a minute. It remains on him. Amen, somebody. And then the voice of the Lord spoke and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Can I just submit to you that he said that about him before he started his ministry? Is he not catching me? He said that about him before he started his ministry. It was after that that he began his ministry. But he had already found favor in the heart of his father before he started his ministry. Oh, God have mercy in here. And you have to cultivate an awareness of God. Not through, watch this, performance, but through relationship. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. Ooh, God have mercy. And we have that same opportunity to capture the heart of the Father just because of our delight and who he is. Not what he can do for us, not what he can do through us, but just simply because of who he is. Mm. The ministry that comes out of his acceptance is far greater than the ministry that works for his acceptance. The ministry that comes, hallelujah, from his acceptance is far greater than the ministry that works for his acceptance. Let me see if I could put it to you another way. Love serves from favor, not for favor. Oh, God, have mercy in here. You're not, you're tired. Love serves from favor, not for favor. Some of us just don't know who we are. Are you hearing me? Let me try to hurry up. Hallelujah. 
The text also said, watch this, that when Jesus was baptized in the water, that John the Baptist said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. It remained on him. It said that the Spirit was up on, upon him. Hallelujah. And so put my next point up there. Hallelujah. I think it's the next point. Watch this. Now, I know that the Spirit dwells in you, but is he always resting on you? Now, I'm, I'm going to mess you up a little bit. Hallelujah. So you theologians, stay with me. Uh, listen to what I'm saying. I know that the Spirit is in you, but is he always resting on you? On you. Yeah, yeah. The text said that it was resting on him. And let me put it to you in a way that is easy to understand. Because this is the way he gave it to me. Can I give it to you the way he gave it to me? Hallelujah. The spirit of God is in me for my sake. But it's up on me for your sakes. <laughs> the spirit of God is in me for my sake. He is a comforter. He comforts me. He is a, a helper. He helps me. He leads me into all truth. He reminds me of the things that I study. These things are all for me. He's, he seals me. He's in me for me. He's on me for you. You'll find that when the Spirit comes on or upon somebody, it's not necessarily for them, but it's to affect, hallelujah, that person's surrounding. Oh God, have mercy in here, hallelujah. When it's upon me, it's for you. It's to affect the surrounding. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? If you're blessed, shout glory. glory. Oh God. It's upon me to impact the person's surroundings. The text also said, hallelujah, I'm trying to hurry things. The text also says that the heavens were opened. The heavens opened and the spirit of God came upon, hallelujah. So I want to submit to you that an individual who is full of the spirit is walking under an open heaven. Oh God, help me in here. The heavens opened and the Spirit came. Now, it doesn't say, and then the heavens closed. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. See, some of you are having a hard time believing what I just said. Because perhaps the heavens are not opened over your city. Or perhaps the heavens are not open over your job. But watch this. Just because the heavens are not open over your city... Or open your job does not mean that the heavens are not open over you. God, help me in here. Are you blessed in here? Oh, God. Because any spirit-filled believer has to believe that they are walking under an open heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Are you blessed in here? When the text here uses the... the the word in, in the original language for open heaven is the same word it used, hallelujah, to, to, to tell us that the, the veil was torn. Once that veil was torn, it remained torn. In other words, God's access was unlimited. And so when, when I tell you that as a believer who is filled with the Spirit, the heavens are open over you, it's that you have unlimited access. And what's happening 
in you can happen to your city. It may not be happening yet, but it can happen. Oh, God, have mercy in here. It can happen. I'm not after your shout today. I'm trying to teach. I said it can happen to your city. We make a mistake whenever we think that the oppression over our city is over us as well. It is not. Hallelujah. And when we think non-biblically, the enemy becomes empowered with our unbelief. I said the enemy becomes empowered with our own unbelief. Now, while the open heavens may not yet cover our cities, like I just mentioned, we do not usually get, watch this, an increase of kingdom realities if we ignore or abuse what we've been given. You don't get, hallelujah, more favor or, or more finances if you are not faithful with that which you have already been entrusted with. And so it is, hallelujah, with he open heavens over your life. The heavens will open, hallelujah, but they require faithfulness and radical obedience. I said radical obedience, hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? I'm almost done, church. I got five minutes. As the church learns to live with an awareness of God's presence upon us, we influence the atmosphere of the world around us. I think that's my next point, hallelujah. You can influence the atmosphere, not just through your witness, but by his presence. I said you can influence the atmosphere, not just through your witness, but by his presence. Well, you got to hear that, hallelujah. But by his presence. If, if I had time, I would take you to the story, hallelujah, of the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood, hallelujah, watch this, didn't receive a command and got healed. She didn't move on a command that she had received. Are you hearing me in here? She was able to sense what was on him. You're not hearing me. Hallelujah. Listen to it again. You can influence the atmosphere not just through your witness, but by his presence. In other words, hallelujah, she could sense the presence of God on him and she didn't need a command to go to him it wasn't anybody's witness that told him to go told her to go touch him it was her own sensing of what was on him that made her move and touch him Oh, God, have mercy in this prayer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this. You are the same way. You have that same Holy Ghost on you. Hallelujah. And the presence of God on your life is accessible to other people. I said the presence of God on your life is accessible to other people. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Some of you do not believe it in this place. Hallelujah. But since I got to close anyway, I might as well. That was my last point. The Holy Spirit upon us is accessible to others. Oh, no, that was, Pastor, you're just taking it a little too far because, you know, we're not Jesus. That was Jesus. She went to touch Jesus. She noticed that the presence of God was on Jesus. But that's not us. That, yes, it is us. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, your Bible says that the presence of God was upon Peter. Peter you know, Peter, crazy was on Peter, hallelujah, in such a way, you better read your Bible in the book of Acts, in such a way that the Bible says that when they found out Peter was coming, 
Not the Peter, hallelujah, when he wasn't full of the Holy Ghost, but the Peter that was full of the Holy Ghost. When Peter got full of the Holy Ghost, the presence of God was so strong upon Peter that when they found out Peter was coming, they took sick people in cots and they threw them in the street. They threw the blind in his path. They threw the lame in his path. And the Bible says that if Peter's shadow Peter's shadow, you didn't hear what I just said. I said Peter's shadow. They didn't even have to touch his clothes. If they just got in his shadow, they got healed. Hallelujah. Because the presence of God on his life was so strong, it was accessible to other people. And the other people noticed, the other people could sense it, and they reached for him. And when they got close, they got healed. When they got close, they got touched. When they got close, they got changed. Oh, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. It wasn't a witness. Hallelujah. It was his presence. So you need word and you need wind. You better have a word, but you better have some wind. Hallelujah. You better have a promise, but you better have some power to go with that promise. I refuse to be satisfied with good theology and have no power. I refuse, hallelujah, to preach a cute sermon and everybody still leave the same way they came in. The devil is a liar. Are you blessed in here, church? Are you really blessed in here, church? Woo! Our shadow always releases whatever overshadows us. I said our shadow will always release that which is overshadowing us if you are abiding under the shadow of the almighty and it's overshadowing you then your shadow will release from that which is overshadowing you do you believe it in here do you believe it in here I said all that church to get you to a place where your faith can accelerate. So that when you hear this kind of word, when you hear God say that there is a time coming where the reaper, where the sower will overtake the reaper, where, watch this, before you can gather it all in, you have to sow again. That before you plant the seed of the grapes, grapes are popping up under your feet. That bef- oh, God, help me in here. That there is a time coming where the grain and the grapes will come faster than you can harvest them. You need faith for that kind of word because that's not natural. The natural formula is seed, time, and harvest. But God says, I'm taking time out of the equation. And we're going to go seed, harvest. (laughs) Seed, harvest. Seed, harvest. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Hallelujah. Do you really believe it? Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody put a praise on it like you believe it. Don't just encamp around a sermon. Encamp around his presence. You need word and wind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
A lot of churches got word, but there's no wind. There's no wind in there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't want to pastor that church. I don't, I don't want to pastor that church that has structure but no flow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When he prophesied to the wind or the dry bones, the Bible says the first thing that came together were the bones. That's the structure. Because the structure has to be in place in order for there to be movement. But you need both. You need structure and you need the move. You need structure and you need flow. And sometimes there'll be more structure in the service than there is flow. But other times there'll be more flow than there is structure. We don't determine that. We stay sensitive. We are prepared. But he has the last say. I want to be in the place, hallelujah, that while the word is preached, the wind starts blowing. I don't even care if it starts blowing before I preach. I don't have to preach if the wind starts blowing. I want people to come into this place and leave different than the way they came in. Not just encouraged because some good things were said but transformed because the wind came. The Bible says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there came a sound from heaven. That's what I want every time we get together. As of a mighty rushing wind. When we come together, we have to believe that he's here. Not figuratively, not metaphorically, he's here right now. And I hear God saying, I want to breathe in your direction. You gather around the sermon, but I need you to encamp around my presence. My presence, hallelujah. Wuka, we devalue worship over the word. What we do not understand, this is coming from a preacher, that the word being preached is a secondary consequence to sin. If man don't sin, we don't have to preach, but we would still have to worship. I said we would still have to worship, hallelujah. But we don't mind skipping worship as long as we get the word. But then you wonder sometimes why you leave the same way you came in. Because you encamped around a sermon and you did not encamp around his presence. And it is his presence that prepares your heart for the seed of God's word to pass.
penetrate you and change you. You need word and you need wind. You need word and you need wind. You need word and you need wind. He said, oh God, Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind. Because it's not just the word, it's the wind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are people that are coming into this house sick in their body. Full of anxiety. Stressed. Their marriage is falling apart. They're losing their kids. And they don't just need a word. They need wind. To follow the word. Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Following the preaching of the kingdom of God. And he said, watch this. Said, where is thy kingdom? He said, it's not here and it's not there. It's inside of you. It's in that river. It's inside of you. And out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this said he about the Holy Ghost. I will never make an excuse for the supernatural. That's what separates God from everything else. That's what separates the church that has power. Than a church that just has good theology. You will receive power, he said, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Do you got him? Do you got him? Do you got him? Do you got him? I know he's in you, but is he always resting? Okay. Is he resting on you? Ah, he rests on you when he, when he rises from within you and overshadows you to impact the surrounding to change an atmosphere this is why i said even though the open heavens are not over your city it can happen because they're open over you and you have the power with the presence of god to impact your surroundings do you believe it church